0: Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini.
1: Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. In our last two episodes, We took a look at the role emotional intelligence plays with respect to client service. Today, we will continue our examination of the intersection of emotional intelligence and the law from the perspective of a clinical psychologist who has worked extensively in this area. We will discuss what EI is from a scientific point of view and how professionals and lawyers in particular can improve their EI awareness and skills. It is an honor to be welcoming my good friend, Dr. Rob Doerr, to the show. Rob is a clinical psychologist based in Asheville, North Carolina, where he is the principal owner of Roots Psychology, a national psychological services firm. He has extensive experience working with organizations on leadership and workforce development initiatives. He specializes in assisting organizations develop cutting-edge, mindfulness-based, emotionally intelligent leadership programs and also provides executive coaching based in psychological science. Rob also runs a private clinical psychology practice in Asheville where he provides psychological testing and evaluation as well as psychotherapy. He specializes in working with the legal community both with lawyers and law students. Prior to starting Root Psychology, Rob was a psychologist at Northwestern University, where he was cross-appointed in the health center and law school. During that time, he functioned as the law school psychologist, where he consulted closely with the law school's administration and faculty on law student wellness and leadership development initiatives, and offered tailored clinical mental health services to address the stressors inherent in legal education. He has also taught multiple undergraduate and graduate-level courses at Northwestern University in both the schools of engineering and law that focus on mindfulness, emotional intelligence, positive psychology, and leadership. He currently maintains an adjunct faculty appointment at both Northwestern University Pritzker School of Law and the University of the Pacific's McGeorge School of Law, where he teaches a mindfulness-based, emotionally intelligent leadership course for law students. Rob earned a PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Denver and completed his postdoctoral training at Northwestern University. He has published in both law and psychology journals and is certified in the Emotional and Social Competency Inventory, which is the EI360 tool developed by Daniel Goleman and his colleagues. Rob, thanks so much for joining me for what is sure to be a very interesting and thought provoking discussion about emotional intelligence.
0: Well, thanks, Tina, for that nice introduction. First of all, it's just so incredibly honored to get to be a part of your pioneering work here on the Paradigm Shift. Uh, you, and I've had the, you and I have had the chance to have several conversations, and um, it's, it's really truly groundbreaking work that you're doing uh, for the legal field here in legal community. And we both know the, uh, the, the potential impact emotional intelligence can have on law students and lawyer well-being and performance. So um, it's really wonderful to see a partner at a top firm shining a, a spotlight on its relevance.
1: Well, thank you so much for your kind words, Rob. I'm just so excited about our time together here today. And you and I have gotten to know each other quite well over the past few years and have had the privilege of having a number of discussions about emotional intelligence for lawyers You probably remember, it feels like yesterday, but it was a couple of years ago already that I guest lectured uh, in your leadership course at Northwestern Law School on EI. Right. So from your frame of reference, um, why do you think that in this day and age, uh, the work in emotional intelligence and what you and I are both doing is pioneering? And where do you think law as a profession is in terms of understanding the importance of EI in today's day and age?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. It's a great great place to start. Um, you know, I think you know, I think it's really come a long way in the past five to ten years. And uh, you know, lawyers like yourself and and uh, the law schools that you mentioned that that I teach at um, have made a huge impact in in just getting the word out about emotional intelligence and being creative and and courageous in terms of introducing a topic that for most you know legal communities uh, for most lawyers is really on the fringe of what would be considered part of of leadership development or legal education. So I think, you know, uh, there's been some wonderful articles that have come out over the last five to 10 years in particular, highlighting why, what EI is, first of all, a lot of the articles that have surfaced really focus on what emotional intelligence is just, you know, providing a framework for lawyers to understand it, which I think is, is really an important part. And, and, you know, also highlighting why it might be helpful uh, in either professional uh, success or for personal wellness. And, um, and that's really today what what I want to talk with you about is just really highlighting uh, both of those, how emotional intelligence is the set of skills that we're going to be going through and characteristics of emotional intelligence really are key for lawyers because they both, you know, they relate so much to professional success, but also personal wellness. So, um, I think, you know, just in general, lawyers seem to have a good intellectual understanding of it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really privileged, as you mentioned in the bio. Thanks for that, that I get to work with lawyers in a lot of different capacities, whether it's in a leadership development program, uh, doing coaching, or, or even in, you know, private individual therapy uh, in more of a clinical capacity. And I think that they, for the most part, the legal community has really started to embrace the emotional intelligence literature and developed a good intellectual understanding of it. You know, maybe they've read a brief article or two or, um, you know, Rhonda Muir, who's who's a, a legal consultant on the East Coast, has put out a wonderful book that's sort of the authority in uh, emotional intelligence for lawyers. So I think there's a good understanding intellectually, cognitively of what emotional intelligence is. And I know you and David just spent an episode on uh, the paradigm shift here, helping lawyers understand how it relates to customer service. So it's, it's a wonderful contribution where where the void really still exists, and I think is going to be probably where you and I decide to focus today, uh, is how to actually become more emotionally intelligent.
1: I agree with that.
0: Yeah. The lawyers I talk with typically question if it can actually be developed, um, if it's not just a personality, uh, and question with uncertainty if and how they can do things to boost their own EI. And so hopefully from our conversation today, we can really... Um, debunk some of the myths around emotional intelligence and really give your, your audience here, your listeners some ideas and ways that they can tangible ways that they can boost their own emotional intelligence. Also, just one other quick thing, Tina, uh, just to say, this is probably a good time. When we think about emotional intelligence and, and becoming more emotionally intelligent, there's really two aspects to developing EI. That, and, and I've been alluding to them here this, at, the, at the beginning. One is a cognitive or an intellectual Part where just understanding what emotional intelligence is. I think our society is still wrapping our minds around what it is. Uh, But then there's the second part that's more the experiential, deeper um, growth and insight that has to go into it. And so the legal community has really done a wonderful job intellectually wrapping their mind around it. And now hopefully we can keep moving it it deeper um, to, to more of the real personal growth that has to happen for emotional intelligence to be at a higher level for lawyers.
1: Well, so it sounds like, um, and I, I think what you've said to kick this off is is terrific, and I completely concur that you think that we've really reached a juncture where lawyers are beginning to have a much better understanding of what EI is and why it matters. But it does. I agree with you that when while you may have a theoretical understanding of what it is, there's also the practical element to how do you develop it are you born with it or is some or is it something like riding a bike where you can learn it over time and you know it, it's like developing muscles you know the EI muscles so to speak right so maybe we should you know just maybe take a closer look particularly for those of our listeners who may not be as familiar with EI particularly in the context of the law, lawyers, and legal education, and maybe if we can just take a couple of minutes to like take a look at that a little bit more closely, that would be terrific. Yeah,
0: thanks. I, I think that's right. You know, I think it's great to start with what it is. Still, even though we know we know that that uh, the legal community is really wrapping their mind around the framework, uh, but just to clarify and keep it keep it at a real simple level. I mean, emotional intelligence is very simply being aware of your emotions. And being aware of the undercurrent of emotional life in our social and professional interactions. So, uh, recognizing emotions, being able to talk about emotions, knowing where they come from, how they influence your decision making and your behaviors. And you know, one of the uh, one of the exercises I am going to share as we go along here, if it's okay, some of the the exercises that I do with with lawyers and with law students to help them start to wrap their mind around what we're what we're referring to with EI. It sounds great. Yeah, a great uh, a great exercise. I don't know if you Tina you maybe have heard of this one or have done it before. Um it's called the best boss, worst boss. And um you know for for the audience out there just thinking about wh- what are we really talking about with emotional intelligence? If you if you just take a second and reflect back on the most influential people it doesn't have to be a boss, but um if everyone could just kind of just think back throughout your life about someone who is really influential for you. Uh, a coach, a teacher, a parent, um, you know, a previous boss that you had. Um, what, what was it? Try to get a person in your mind and then think about what was it that really made that person different than all of the other uh, bosses or mentors that you had along the way. I've done this exercise with engineers, uh, engineering students, medical community, legal community, transportation executives. And it's so fascinating because always, I'll write on the whiteboard and almost always certain characteristics start to really come to life immediately.
1: Which I was going to ask you about that is that, you know, you're, you're talking about groups of people that on their face are very different from each other, but I wanted to find out from you, are there common themes that you found?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. They, you know, people always go back to a couple key things. Uh, One of them is, you know, a great listener. There's been some, some data that's come out that shows that when people feel heard or validated, um, in their workplace, they feel like their boss or employer actually understands where they're at, that's, that's a huge one. So people, uh, people remember previous mentors or bosses when they feel heard and they've been listened to and validated. People usually say it's somebody who has drive and is motivated, somebody who's self-confident, um, somebody can, that can connect people and uh, is a networker, or really good in social situations, somebody that they trusted, so these uh, these competencies really start to come to life quick. That when you look at them, they're you know traditionally thought of as people skills or soft skills, and um, really what people are referring to is emotional intelligence. That's sort of the easiest way to to group them together. When we start thinking about you know self awareness and adaptable, resilient, having a positive outlook, these are the traits that no matter what group it is, really start to come forward. So, yeah, it is really it's really fascinating to think about, like you said, all these different backgrounds and professional groups. And they still and, and there's certainly, you know, and we'll say this uh, over and over here on the show today. Obviously, technical skills are crucial and uh, knowledge you know that you have about uh, the, the particular profession you're in. And we don't want to downplay that. I mean, that's that's sort of a threshold characteristic, but what really separates the outstanding lawyer or law student from the average is uh, the emotional intelligence skills. So um, yeah, so maybe I'll I'll walk through uh, a little bit. So that's a powerful exercise to kind of think about what your previous boss was and what made them great. Almost always people are going to say various emotional intelligence characteristics.
1: So when you um, go through that exercise with people, um, I would imagine that a big part of the power behind that exercise is running through, putting on the whiteboard what those characteristics are and realizing and acknowledging what they are. Where do you take the exercise from there? Or do you have people go with some takeaways after the exercise? I mean, I would imagine just the awareness of what those are goes a long way. But what else do you do with that exercise?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. That we I use that exercise like in the, in the the classes that I teach in law schools because I want to help students as opposed to just putting up a framework. We're trying to help them think about how how do these characteristics uh, or skills really come to life? What do they look like in a tangible way? So I think part you know the main point of the exercise is at the very beginning, just to create what what we refer to as a heuristic. You know, a a representative a representation in your mind of somebody who really exudes, uh, somebody who really embodies, I should say, uh, emotional intelligence. And so that's the first step. And then and once you've done that, and, and with all growth, you know, as a psychologist, when I'm helping people grow and move forward in their life, it's so helpful to have an idea of where you're going and have a representative in your mind. And so when we can think about this one leader that's really been influential for you, that gives you a a sort of a framework right off the bat or or, um, a person that you're striving to emulate. So that's the first step of it is really just helping them wrap their mind around what emotional intelligence looks like. And it it also sets the stage to then present some of what social scientists, I think most social scientists that look at emotional intelligence would agree are sort of the, the primary or dominant EI models. And I know you've mentioned these in the last couple episodes on the paradigm shift here. But most social scientists agree at this point that there's really sort of three primary models, and we don't have to spend time going into each of those, but they, they've all sort of taken a crack at creating the domains or um, characteristics of emotional intelligence and trying to organize those those competencies uh, into a framework. And the one that, that I use that a lot of you know, graduate programs, uh, more and more MBA programs are starting to teach emotional intelligence courses. Uh, a lot of them use Dan Goldman uh, and Richard Boyatus's model that's the base of the the 360 that you mentioned, the emotional and social competency inventory, the EsCII. Um, it's a wonderful tool. And so in in the emotional intelligence classes that I teach in the programs, we always start with an assessment to give people an idea of where where, where, where do you fall on uh, what's your baseline on these different competencies? And I like the Goldman model because it's a really simple way to understand it. and here's what Dan Goldman, came up with through his research, and um, really simplified it in this framework. There's four primary domains of emotional intelligence. And uh, the first is self-awareness. And um, today on on this episode, that's really what we're going to spend the most of the time talking about is is what self-awareness is and why it's the cornerstone for emotional intelligence. So Um, I spend, it's funny, actually, I get so passionate about self-awareness that sometimes I'll have, you know, an hour of material prepared to go through all the different domains I'm going to walk through. And then I'll end up spending the whole time uh, just focused on self-awareness because it's that important.
1: Well, there's so many different facets about it too. I mean, there's many different ways to look at the self-awareness lens.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And to break that down a little bit, right. And to have it, and you know, you and I've talked about, um, the mindfulness uh, buzz that's out there and and how much people are looking at mindfulness and and i think part of what grabs people is that it helps them be self-aware as they go through their day it it's a a way to stay tuned in to how you're doing so we may be in a heated conversation you know with a partner or a spouse or in the workplace we're in a, a team meeting we're working with a client and we're right there and the emotions are running high we don't always check in with ourselves as we go through these different events or interactions, you know, social interactions are the number one trigger for emotion. I mean, when we're interacting with people, we have more emotions going than in any other situation and people who are self-aware are tuned into that. And so the mindfulness buzz I think has been all about People are captivated by that. They recognize that, wow, when I practice mindfulness, it's, it's really a way to boost my self-awareness. So, <clears throat> so I can't say enough about how crucial self-awareness is. And it's the, it's the first, uh, domain of, of, Goldman's model. Secondly, you have to have self-awareness to move into self-management. And that's what most lawyers, when you say I teach emotional intelligence, they say, oh, I, you know, I, I could really use that keeping myself motivated or, the, the most thing I think people think of is I got so upset the other day at someone and, and, you know, just went off on, on a colleague or um, the way I acted was not in line with how I want to be. And so that's, and that's self-management. It's, it's um, emotional self-control being able to stay uh, adaptable and, you know, maintain a positive outlook uh, going forward. So the other two domains just real quick to finish up this framework is social awareness So moving into the people side and and, uh, primarily empathy. And then the last one is relationship management, which I think are as we'll get into here uh, today or in the next episode. A lot of people are craving relationship skills more than ever, you know, with the the increase in screen time and uh, the use of technology. We're so connected, but disconnected. And it's going to be more increasingly important for the younger generation in particular to have relationship management skills. So EI is really uh, a powerful grouping of skills and competencies that allow people to have meaningful relationships in their life. So that's a little that, you know, that's one framework just to kind of set the stage. So self-awareness, self-management, social awareness or empathy and, and relationship management.
1: That was incredibly helpful. Um, we had touched on the Goldman framework in our kickoff episode several episodes ago where we were introducing the topic of emotional intelligence, but that has been incredibly useful because it really serves as a great platform to segue into the next part of our discussion. Um, I know that you are really passionate about um, helping lawyers increase their own EI. When you and I met, uh, when you were at Northwestern Pritzker School of Law a couple of years ago. I know that you were involved in many different facets of this education, including teaching classes and being there for the various students. Um, And I know that you've also worked with um, folks in the engineering school as well. So why don't we just sort of segue into talking a little bit more about some of the ways that you're working with lawyers to help develop their EI, um, I know that there are programs and courses that you've offered during the span of your career, and I think our listeners would love to get an idea of what you're doing and what others are doing in terms of development and training.
0: Yeah, of course. I, and I do, think, I, I do think your audience will find this interesting to hear what's happening in law schools, and, and it's starting to, to really grow. There's sort of a core group of faculty and leadership consultants out there that are, that are doing some really fascinating programming around the EI uh, framework, you know, I was so fortunate in the in the Northwestern position to team up with a um, a group of administrators there and deans, you know, uh, Dan Rodriguez being there and but Cliff Zimmerman in particular um, who brought me on and and he and I uh, developed a class there called Professional Responsibility, Leadership, and Lawyering Success, and it was really a mindfulness based emotional intelligence course. And most, you know, most good emotional intelligence programs have mindfulness as a part of it throughout. Uh, Just to, I always like to mention a few books or programs that, that I've really learned most of my uh, programming from one of them is uh, Search Inside Yourself, which is Google's Leadership Institute, and Chade Meng uh, Tan there, who has done some incredible work, um, and and that would be a great you know website and program to check out. Is really kind of the model and emotional intelligence leadership programs. But uh, so we we created a class that's a, a full credit course, a semester course uh, that Dean Zimmerman and I, the dean of students at Northwestern, um, have taught for the past three years now. And we use uh, Goldman's emotional intelligence book and then uh, Douglas Linder and Nancy Levitt's book, The Good Lawyer, uh, is the second book that we use. And what we do is we, we do a 360 assessment. You mentioned I do a lot of psychological testing. And so we do um, you know we do a, a good thorough evaluation, sort of a battery of tests to start the MBTI and um, some other measures and get a baseline of where the students are, where the group is, which any law firm developing uh, their, their leaders, that's a, that's a great place to start. Um, and then we walk through the framework in the course, the four models are the four domains of emotional intelligence that the 360 is based on. Um, so the class and, and also the programming that I'm doing uh, with law firms and lawyers is really it's really an integration of research from several different fields, you know, from positive psychology, from emotional intelligence um, and and leadership. and um, One of the things that I wanted to make sure that we talk about is how emotional intelligence helps so much with wellness for lawyers. We're going to come back to this maybe uh, in the next episode, but it really capitalizes on Larry Krieger and Ken Sheldon's groundbreaking work on lawyer well-being and really provides some some skills and competencies for the, the legal community to address what they highlighted in their powerful research studies that really highlighted a central impact of of lawyers so when you look at what's going on with lawyers well-being and the high rates of depression and alcoholism and some of the other negative outcomes what they found is that there's a shift that takes place in law school that that pulls law students focus from intrinsic motivators things like i want to do the best i can uh you know be the best person that i can um do good help people this, this measuring stick or yardstick of success that's based on intrinsic values when law students start out, how it quickly shifts in law school to extrinsic values and motivators, money, the top associate position, summer associate position, you know, getting on law review, things that, that are wonderful accomplishments. But the shift that takes place is what's referred to as self-determination theory. Uh, in the class, we we integrate that wellness research, and then we talk about how emotional intelligence habits and skills can help law students and lawyers overcome that by staying grounded in what they value and staying grounded in what they what their intrinsic motivators are. So helping them be you know self aware of. What those dangling fruit are that are out there that pull them away from their intrinsic values and into extrinsic motivators and then help kind of bring them back to what they originally were focused on. And it's sort of, it's really nice because it dovetails with a lot of other research that's happening, like the authentic leadership research by Bill George in particular, we also use a lot of his work on authentic leadership uh, in the class and in the programs and talk about how, what he's found that makes great leaders today is people who can tell their own story. You know, they, they, uh, they have a passion that they're driven by and they stay true to that in the face of obstacles and challenges and um, you know, salary or whatever it may be, starting to pull them away from their vision. Authentic leaders uh, really um, know what's important to them. They cherish their values. They know their passions and motivations, and they use those as sources for, for drive in their life. And all the research, and it's, it's why I named my firm uh, Roots Psychology, which is just the simple idea, and this is emotional intelligence at its core, the simple idea of Bill George's Authentic Leadership what the self-determination theory finds is that when, when to be happy and be successful, we have to go back to who we are. And when we tap into our roots, we understand what drives us, what motivates us, what our passions are. And that's the way forward. We have to know where we came from and, and what um, our story is and be able to connect those dots to see where we need to go in the future. So the, you know, the classes and the programming that's taking place, and I'm not the only one doing, there's a lot of wonderful people that are out there, you know, University of Miami Law School, NYU, uh, several great law schools and firms have really started to embody the, the EI work. Um, so it's, it's an exciting time.
1: Rob, this has really been an incredibly informative kickoff to our discussion on EI. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to be kicking things off by talking about the intersection of mindfulness and EI. But in the meantime... Um, where can our listeners find you?
0: Yeah. Well, and thanks too. This is uh, this is so fun for me. And like I said, it's just such a great, uh, podcast that you're doing here and, and a wonderful opportunity to sit in with you. Absolutely. This is, um, this is what I help companies do all the time and, and individuals, anybody that wants to reach out just robder.com R O B D U R R.com is the best place to find me. I'm based in Asheville, North Carolina. And, um, You'll find all my contact information there and you know, happy to come in and help companies uh, get a sense of how they they're doing in terms of emotional intelligence and and you know develop a tailored program to help going forward.
1: Do you have a website that people can check out?
0: Yeah, robdurr.com is the uh, is the website. So uh, just R O B D-U-R-R dot com.
1: Great. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. I hope that you have enjoyed the first installment of our exploration about EI from a clinical psychology perspective, and how each of us can become more mindful of its importance and more fully integrated into who we are professionally. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.